0: The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now, join the revolution, digital health is the evolution, status quo, more like status, no, yeah, this is the Healthcare Wrap, y'all come on, let's go! Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare, and the status quo no longer exists, where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door where truth drops like an atom bomb and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the healthcare wrap. Hey, all you out there in the Posse. Thanks for hanging with me again. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and this is season two of the Healthcare Wrap. This is the place to be, as always, if you want to accelerate the transformation of healthcare. In other words, this is the place for you if you want to be marketing forward. And there are a lot of things associated with being part of this Posse. The first thing is I I invite you to join the Posse by listening, subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends. You can find our full archive of episodes at healthcarewrap.com and hit us up on Twitter at healthcarewrap. And finally, a special thank you to Express Docs, Ulterra Digital, and the Podcast.Healthcare Network for helping us spread the awesome. So this week, speaking of awesome, I've got Chris Hemphill. Again, he's one of the, maybe the second ever guest I've had on more than once on the program. So Chris is the Director of Client AI and Ops at Symphony RM. Chris, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me back to the posse, uh, Jared.
0: Yes, I just wanted you to be aware it's an exclusive club. You know, there are are very few who have made it there so far. So it, it is a thrill for us to have you back on. And there are a lot of reasons to do that. One of those we will get into is something you recently posted on LinkedIn that has to do with data. But I'll give you a chance again for those who who are kind of newer to the program, let's give them a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you are and what you're all about.
1: All right, well, uh, my background uh, really starts like uh, my, my, what I studied in college was marketing. And over time I uh, started working in a healthcare IT analytics company in a uh, sales capacity. So it was very focused on driving business growth for a company that offered uh, healthcare IT analytics services. But over time, went into more of an operational capacity. And uh, that involved kind of reuniting an old flame, an old love affair that I had with economics during college. So it it started becoming a question of what types of calls to make, what types of strategies should we be embarking on to, to grow this business? And that hinged heavily on analytics. So that led me deeper and deeper down an analytics path it became a, a matter of developing things like predictive models to understand based on characteristics of hospitals and based on characteristics of conversations was the probability of uh, of moving forward and doing business with these organizations so that required more and more skills and kind of re- just re- reignited my passion for for data data analytics, lo and behold, eventually studying data science and uh, taking that all to the next level and now the the current focus is on performing analytics in the, uh, in the healthcare space, helping health systems with uh, data-driven and data science-related products and projects, and also doing things like valuing physician engagement outreach or wor- uh, working along with health systems to like inspect the value of things like no-shoe models and things like that. So it's been an evolution from kind of a uh, sales and marketing role to fully embracing data science itself, but, but also maintaining that communication capacity.
0: Well, one reason I, I had you back on, Chris, is that that evolution that you just described, I, I see this, ha- this is gonna continue to happen over the next several years. I think this is going to be a trend simply out of necessity the data that is available to us and what we do with it, we're all still learning that, but there's some basics about it of kind of data literacy itself that everyone ought to know. And, you know, there's no shame in in it. You know, it's just getting to understand really what the value of it is and really how it can revolutionize a lot of the things that are happening in marketing and sales in all sorts of of, uh, the entire healthcare and health IT arena. It's pretty mind-boggling. So one of the things we're gonna talk about today is a a comment, a a story, again, something you posted about commoditizing your inputs. So listeners, that's what we're going to be focusing on today and what that means, that's gonna be the source of our rap battle. So we'll get into that. Rap battle! Rap Battle is where we challenge the status quo of what's happening in healthcare. It usually has to do with marketing, with tech, with communications. And today is a really interesting discussion, in my opinion. It's it's this whole concept. So this is a phrase that was kind of coined to you, commoditize your inputs. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell me where that came from and kind of what, when you posted about
1: it, what was on your mind? So commoditize your inputs. I was looking at all of the open source stuff, all the free stuff out there that uh, Google, Facebook, all the all these all these big tech companies are putting out so much free stuff that people can use to help grow their businesses and become extremely successful. Things like Google Analytics, things like uh, TensorFlow, which is a uh, machine learning platform for developing uh, neural networks and artificial intelligence applications. There's Facebook's version of that is PyTorch. There, there's just so much that these companies are putting out for free. And I was actually speaking with a buddy of mine who works at Google, and I was like, Why is there so much? Uh, why is there so much available for free? And uh, he he said that their whole idea is that they're banking on your success. Like the more information that you're sharing to the web, the more successful that you are at getting information out there, getting your apps out there, getting your getting your ideas out there, the more data that they have to uh, index. So what they're doing, they realize that the availability of data, having data that needs to be indexed, that's their input. And they've decided to make that resource as cheap as possible. They want as many people using free, pl- uh, free tools to build websites, understand how to better build their website, and lean analytics from that because that's more of a web for them to index. So that got me thinking about an input that exists in, in the healthcare space, which is healthcare literacy. So, there, there have been studies, um, and I, ca- I can't recall if somebody, which ones, but some studies have shown that among all the different things that predict somebody's healthcare outcomes, including their weight, their age, overweight status, among all those things, healthcare literacy was found to be a very strong predictor of whether or not people had successful healthcare outcomes. So, as health systems are, are moving more towards value based care and having to manage the care of their populations, that healthcare literacy input becomes much more important to maintain in the community. So the post was about how healthcare systems can start commoditizing the input of healthcare literacy. Ultimately, the more and better they are at targeting education to the right people who have have specific needs, then the better healthcare outcomes that they can promote. So when it comes to strategies to engage patients, kind of framed it in, as a marriage between your marketing and population health engagement angle. So uh, basically how, uh, how we're const- constructing outreach and how we're targeting people with different communications. And then kind of a population, uh, the uh, deeper part of the population health a- a- angle is the programs that are being produced, the programs that need engagement, getting the right people to those programs. And then the data science engine to understand what kinds of communications are most effective and to really understand also statistically whether or not our outreach is making a difference and whether or not these programs are making a difference for patients. So in a nutshell, that that was the thinking behind how healthcare can focus on commoditizing its inputs, just like Google and, and the rest commoditize their inputs, solving a much different problem, but same concept.
0: If customers retain 95% of a message when they see it on video, but only 10% of a message when they read it, why are you still using print-only brochures to get your marketing across? Express Docs is here to bring you into the future. Introducing Print Plus Video, their newest technology that pairs the effectiveness of video marketing with the portable convenience of print marketing. Print Plus Video is a customizable brochure that's equipped with an LCD screen to clearly display your message to your audience in a way that resonates with them. Whether you're fundraising, recruiting, or any project in between, Print Plus Video helps you create an engaging experience that captivates your audience and increases conversion. For more information on ExpressDocs Print Plus Video, contact an Express Docs rep at 866-977-3627. That's 866-977-3627. Or visit expressdocs.com slash the That's Express, beginning with an X. So Chris, I do think this answers a couple of different questions and challenges for health systems. So if a hospital or health system did want to move in this direction, what would they need to get started as far as like resources or tools?
1: The basic problem that we're solving is we have... Patients in this market, and they are like there are things like no shows and readmissions and various things that are lack of adherence to healthcare programs that are happening. And we want to make sure that the right people are receiving the, the education that they need. So having the overall strategy in place and understanding what kinds of metrics that you're focused on moving are critical. Some of those metrics might be understanding what is what is my no-show rate? What, uh, how do I measure adherence? Or h- how do I measure adherence? Or uh, what's the value of a phone call to a patient? What's the value of outreach? And in certain scenarios, we've calculated those values to be between $40 and $80 based on the types of contracts. So once you understand what your problem is and uh, have the data in place, in, including from multiple systems, so you have the data in place and to understand that population, then it's a matter of uh, you know, setting up experiments, setting up your outreach to patients and doing that across multiple channels. And you, essentially the platforms that need to be in place are such that they would track the success of that outreach and really report back based on those metrics that you established. How well am I doing? Is the strategy effective? And ultimately as, as we're, we're having meetings around this, as, as we're meeting around these metrics and shared goals, how are we moving, nudging, and optimizing the process to do better for our patients?
0: Well, I like that thought. I feel like just the overall trend towards value-based care, this falls under that umbrella, or it can at the very least. And you know, it does seem like there have been you know, health systems over the years. You know, I can point to a few you know, off the top of my head if I, you know, if I wanted to. Of those who at least recognize the value of what you're describing, that they stand to gain when at-risk consumers understand how to manage their health. So, you know, some, you know, some kind of basic tenets of health literacy and why do we need to spend time on this and kind of driving that conversation from from health care to health in general. Uh-huh. And I think there's there's a recognition of, of that side of it. I think the way that it has been executed in general up until you know, kind of recently has been the best that could be done up until that point. But now we do have all this data. Now we have additional tools to be able to personalize and customize each of those messages. When you are having a a conversation about anything related to this, which, I guess, which departments are you typically speaking with? Like who, is it common or is it kind of different for each hospital?
1: I'm curious, like who who ends up owning an initiative like this? Now that's a good question too, because we, we we tend to talk to a lot of departments. We're born out of operations and access because there there are some very clear ways to measure whether or not we're uh, whether or not th- there is success in in those areas. So the the operations part comes from how's my call center performing? How much adherence are people having to appointments? Are there are are there a lot of no shows or p- are people coming in? And ultimately. What are the next best actions that we can suggest for our patients managing their journey? So that's one component of it. And that's where we got started. And ultimately, that gave us a huge amount of data to uh, start working with to to start making suggestions on, hey, here's how you optimize your call center or here's how you centralize your scheduling in a way such that it makes it much easier for the, the, the people managing these calls to drive appointments. Then we started seeing a challenge where there is a barrier between marketing and operations where, Jared, I know you're very familiar, and I think a lot of people on on the call are very familiar with the marketing side of the house is, okay, so we've, we've run this fine program, generated a ton of leads, and now these people that are calling in or trying to schedule appointments for this particular program, they're finding that they're 45 to 90 days out on being able to come in. So the next part is really, since there's that, that DNA in, in operations and DNA in marketing, combining that so that the schedulers and, and the marketing organization is, are not blind to the ability to deliver an excellent patient experience. So the, the, the concept is to take this expertise and take all, uh, take all this data in order to deliver a patient, uh, an excellent patient experience, not only target that campaign appropriately to the people that are most likely to convert as leads, but also use vectors that indicate whether or not somebody's going to have an excellent patient experience. If the average lag time, the time that somebody schedules an appointment versus the time that, uh, that they're actually able to come in, if that is more than, uh, than 30 days out, then we'll expect significant no shows and probably not suggest running that campaign. It's a matter of marrying up uh, what we can do to not only reach patients, but also deliver, understand what operationally is going to be able to deliver a great uh, patient experience. And an, another part that I think needs to be included, I mean, we, we talk about being patient-centric, but when, when it comes to, to patient centricity, at the center of patient centricity, I would still say is the, is the physician. Conducting studies right now on email subject lines and headings and seeing if there is a difference between the, the amount of opens the amount of response that you get when you're including when you're including a physician name in an outbound communication and when you're not including that uh, that patient's physician name turns out there's a, a significantly more response so significantly higher response rate when the physician name is included So what we can derive from that is that there's also an importance of having a communication with the physicians so that they're they're communicating with their patients, they're understanding kind of the population health issues that are being identified at that broad level through the platform. And um, ultimately, they're playing a role in that patient's population health. And we actually found that by engaging physicians in that manner, by basically using, there's there's a study that we uh, conducted. Uh, that we're actually working on right now with Intermountain Health is that they're able to, their big focus is on keeping physician referrals in network because uh, when referrals go out of network, if if physicians are referring to uh, various facilities that are out of network, then the end result is more unnecessary tests, more unnecessary procedures, more unnecessary cost to the health system and cost to the uh, patient's time and well-being. So by keeping those referrals in network, they found that by running their physician liaison program, this is under very specific circumstances. I don't want people to, t- to listen to a number that I throw out and then take that away and uh, think that, you know, it's going to be exactly the same for them. But ultimately, by engaging the sound physician, uh, physician engagement strategy, we found that they were able to, like for each meeting would on average be associated with 45 referrals staying within the healthcare system, staying within network. So just wanted to touch broadly on the operations, engagement and marketing and physician relations component that all go into outreach to patients, but at the same time creating a great experience and keeping referrals in network and ultimately with the aim of reducing costs and reducing unnecessary, uh, unnecessary procedures and a little you. bit <laughs> see yeah i told you there
0: there's a lot too and there's so much potential to to just take this as the core and and run with it in so many different directions I need So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay now back to the podcast, right? Cause it's pretty legit. Any tips for uh, for anyone involved to to gain buy-in internally for this type of program, whether it's for the source, you know, the data source itself, for a CRM, for a team, or to you know to bring on a vendor uh, to help with this this kind of thing? Any any tips for, for kind of building that business case?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. This one comes from the heart, by the way, because. Um a lot of times when, when we're working on projects, like, and I'm saying we, as in just in general, me, you, like we're, we're doing things, working on projects and we think that we're creating value. We think we're doing, we're, we think we're doing awesome, but that success is ignored by other people. That's because we didn't start from the same premise. There wasn't that initial, like, like you might, I, I might've been working on some great project or some great material or some great copy or something like that. But if we're not unified on the same purpose, if we're not measuring ourselves in, in the same way, if, if, if we're not on the same, like if I'm measuring in inches and you're measuring in centimeters, then you're not gonna see the same value. So the, the, the absolute most important step is for across departments, for there to be shared metrics, shared goalposts, shared ways of understanding and, understanding and measuring success. So where I'm seeing the most success because, I mean, I've been rattling off a ton of departments. You have one scenario where each of those departments, physician outreach team and the marketing team, population health and IT and all that, they have, there's various CRMs and marketing automation systems or communication systems in play. And, you know, that's a lot of uh, people running around they're just com- completely confused. Like it's really hard to operate that way. The success factor needs to come from leaders who are willing to uh, break down departmental barriers. And I know it's a, it's a hard task to reach out to all of those departments at the same time. I mean, that, 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 that's probably completely overwhelming to anybody listening to it. But if you can find a partnership, kind of a data partnership where one department and another are, are sharing teams or sharing metrics or, or, or working on a project together, I think that's a good seed for the shared metrics that, that need to be in place for everybody to use, this, uh, use a common platform common language and common goals. Oh,
0: good stuff. I'm glad you brought it that way because I feel like there's so much to be done there. And that's, we're getting more people to the point of recognizing, yep, this is the future. (laughs) Like this is where we need to develop some competency here. We need to develop, we we need to, we need to build that business case. Uh, But where do I start? So, so I appreciate that. And that kind of wraps up our rap battle. Now we're going to move into keeping it real. Keeping it real. Keeping it real is where we just kind of broaden our horizons as marketers and recognize that with all that we have going on, we actually have the potential to impact healthcare itself, not just the marketing and promotions of it. And so that was my question to you, Chris. Is what's one thing marketers can do better to improve healthcare itself?
1: This is a major one. This is this is a, a really important point for me for what marketers can do better because like it's it's kind of been the passion of my career but that, the, the one thing I would say is to improve data literacy. Data literacy doesn't mean that you're, doesn't necessarily mean that you're a, a data scientist out there predicting, uh, uh, developing predictive models to, to identify all these trends and traits within healthcare and the and, uh, clusters and things like that. What it really means is understanding things like uh, the right questions to ask about a data set, how to evaluate an AI platform, how to ask about things like uh, type 1, type 2, and uh, type 3 error. Basically, you know, get, uh, getting getting a basic understanding of the biases that people bring to the table when uh, constructing and collecting data and ultimately what these AI models that people are talking about, what the implications are for the patient. We've seen recent headlines where, where essentially, basically where models... Not intentionally. It's not like uh, anybody set out to, to develop racist, racist algorithms. I don't. I don't know any Klansmen data scientists or anything like that. But ultimately, what we found is that some algorithms have inherent biases against Black people in healthcare, and that's just because the the, the way that they were formed, the, the question that it was answering was uh, how uh, was basically the, the what somebody's expected what a person's expected cost in care was going to be over time but because of differences in the way that uh, black people utilize care, it was significantly underreporting the risk and the amount of illness that, that, that black patients had. If leaders are asking the right questions about their data, if they're asking the right questions about what models, what, about how models perform, and really getting the confidence to ask questions like that, to ask ethically related questions and uh, like asking the tough questions, getting that, like getting that confidence comes from having some baseline data, liber- uh, data literacy. So the, the second part to that is, okay, so this guy's really passionate about data literacy. Well, okay, whatever. You don't need a PhD to be data literate. You aren't born with it. As humans, we're not born with data literacy and we're, we're not born understanding probability and things like that. All of that stuff, everybody who's great out there had to learn it in some way. And fortunately, there's a, there are so many people in the data science community who have a passion about spreading the understanding of data and, and spreading the understanding of ethical approaches to data. So I think a takeaway that somebody that, that, that somebody, a listener could use is, I actually just posted it on LinkedIn. If you Google AI strategies for business leaders by Cassie Korsakov, she's the chief decision intelligence officer at Google. She just puts out tons of content that is uh, related to, it's not about, how to construct certain algorithms and how to uh, be a data scientist or anything like that. It's really leadership and strategy-oriented content that anybody, like people of any kind of math, it's not mathy is what I'm trying to say. There's there's not a lot of math in it. It just teaches you the basics about how to evaluate the strategies and how to suss out the the BS from the real stuff when you're talking about data. So I think that that's a, a great way to start. And uh, there's uh, other ways that like, if you want to get delve more into things like case studies and, and understanding what a lot of other organizations did, Bernard Marr put out a great book called data strategy. I think I might've suggested it in the last episode, but uh, you know, a second time to charm.
0: Yeah. And leave it to you to uh, endorse data literacy and then give us a starting point. So way to go, man. <laughs> like that's a, uh, appreciate that. You know, the whole goal here is to get people taking a step down that direction, down that path and realizing that the, you don't like you said. Some of it is less mathy. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love to think of it that way. So uh, thanks so much for your time and your perspective, Chris. Uh, what's the best way for listeners to reach you if they want to get a hold of you?
1: Okay, so two ways: the the uh, LinkedIn. I share a lot on LinkedIn, and my uh, that's Chris Hempill on LinkedIn. And I'm a slightly snarkier on Twitter. So if you want the kind of the same stuff but with a little snark into it, Luke trail runner on twitter
0: thanks again chris uh, thanks for joining us this week and listeners thank you for tuning in don't forget to join the posse listen subscribe leave a review and tell your friends healthcare Wrap is an Altera digital production and a member of the podcast.healthcare network so on behalf of chris and myself keep marketing forward thanks and that's a wrap